You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Alana Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Alana Enquirer publisher here with you. Randy Ballard always has had an important job overseeing the physical and mental health and well-being of student-athletes, but the Illinois Associate Athletic Director of Sports Medicine usually works behind the scenes. But in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, the Illinois Athletic Department's highest-ranking health officer has been more in the spotlight as of late. Ballard, the Illini Athletics Department, and local health officials in two months created a comprehensive plan to bring student-athletes back to campus. And that process started in June and July with football, men's and women's basketball, volleyball, and soccer returning to Champaign-Urbana. Illinois announced in early August that 23 of 164 student-athletes who returned to midsummer tested positive for COVID-19, 12 of which tested positive on their return to campus. Despite the Big Ten postponing fall sports until next year, Ballard's plan really takes on its biggest, most challenging phase yet. With classes starting at the U of I, Illinois welcomed all of its student-athletes back on campus this month, an additional 500 from the summer total of 164. Meanwhile, the quasi-student-athlete bubble from the summer mostly disappears with tens of thousands of students returning to Champaign-Urbana. Today, I catch up with Ballard about how the Illini's health and safety protocols are working, the challenges of this fall, and the next steps to the Big Ten in Illini sports returning to competition. That's coming up next on the Illini Inquirer podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, joining us now is Illinois Associate Athletic Director of Sports Medicine, Randy Ballard. Randy, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Uh, good. Uh, you know, excited to have all of our student-athletes back. Uh, anytime you start the semester, it's it's an exciting time for those of us that have been in a business in the business a long time. This, this time of year actually feels more like New Year's Day than maybe New Year's Day does. It's the start of a new year, and that's always exciting, even if it's dealing with all the challenges that we're currently dealing with. Randy, and you were kind enough in May to, to j- tell us everything that went into this, I would say, fairly quickly put together, but comprehensive plan uh, to get students and student athletes back on campus. So now that we're kind of a few months removed from some of them coming back, but also in the middle of all of them coming back, uh, how did that process go in, in June and July for you guys? 
You know, I couldn't be more grateful for how it's gone, uh, Jeremy. We have tremendous partners in this community, and to be at the University of Illinois that has done what they currently are doing right now, it, it's just, it's, it's, it causes a lot of gratitude. It, it causes a lot of just, uh, you know, just, it's amazing what this campus and this community is, is doing right now. And so in terms of our process, yeah, you know, we started putting those plans in place in March and April. They came together pretty quickly. Uh, we consulted with plenty of people and plenty of people shared their ideas um, from scientists at places like Abbott to uh, MBA officials to a host of other people. And so uh, being able to pick people's brains and, and look at their plans and put together our plans and then to be able to work with our local public health department uh, with McKinley uh, Health Center and with Carl to be able to pull off the testing program that we did uh, this summer. I, I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be more grateful. Uh, I think it's all come together well. It continues to come together well. And now with what campus is doing with the saliva test that they've developed in the app, uh, we've just been able to kind of dovetail into that. Uh, we've been in working with the SHIELD group here on campus since the very beginning. They were part of our first test uh, that we did. And so to to now kind of dovetail into what they're doing and our student athletes are doing what campus is doing. Uh, it's just been, it's been awesome. Uh, I don't say that to, to pat my back. It's, yeah. it's just a matter of uh, from Josh and, and Chancellor Jones's leadership through all the partners and, and collaborators that we've had. Um, I am so thankful to be at the University of Illinois and not some of these other institutions that are continuing to struggle. And not that we haven't had our struggles, but uh, we are so far ahead of, of where other institutions are in terms of what our campus and public health department's doing. So I'm really grateful to be in Champaign-Urbana. I've loved it here. This place has been great to me and my, my family, and it continues to show the reason why uh, I'm so happy to be in Illini. Randy, uh, obviously you guys had a great plan, uh, and it, it seems to be going pretty well, but once you start the plan, um, what were the biggest challenges of actually putting it into practice, or when it was in practice, what were challenges maybe you didn't expect? You know, I think a couple challenges, and, you know, it's just, you know, you, often people hear, you know, it takes 21 days to create a new habit. Um, you know, I think you probably could argue that's probably longer. And so just learning the new habits and, and getting an understanding of, of what that entails in terms of all the cleaning, in terms of the time it takes to check 10 student athletes into a building and get them through the process. Um, it's one thing to sit at home and, and think about what the facility looked like when you were actually in it versus like once you actually get on campus and start going through the process and figure out that, that processes may take more long, uh, longer time than you thought they would or, or might add to some kinks. I think the other challenge has been uh, now as we've worked through this is that uh, our first five programs did a tremendous job. Obviously, we, we released our data. We had a few positives that we dealt with and, and dealt with them well. Um, but they learned uh, about making smart decisions, be it in social environments or with mask wearing or other things. And uh, they did a tremendous job learning what was expected and doing that. And so now we just have to make sure that we're doing the same thing on the front end to educate the next group of student athletes, the next group of coaches, the next group of staff that's returning, uh, that we don't get complacent and that we don't take for granted what we taught the first group that, that helped make that process smooth, that we remember to be as diligent teaching the next group uh, of what's all involved. And quite frankly, we probably have to do that in even greater detail because of the number of students coming back on campus and the number of people uh, coming into our community. So um, those are probably some of the biggest challenges, Jeremy. 
You released numbers uh, early August that 12 student-athletes of the first 164 arrived on campus with a positive test. As of August 3rd, 11 had contracted it while on campus. How did your mitigation efforts work, Randy? And, and with all the students now arriving on campus, are you kind of seeing similarities between now and, and June, July with a, a larger sample size? Yeah, you know, in terms of, I guess, well, two separate questions. Let's dig into the first one first. You know, mitigation, um, you know, we would get calls in the middle of the night from the Carl Lab saying we had a positive. And so we were able to identify those people before they ever came back in our building the next day. Um, and so we would ensure that, that, that once we knew of a positive, they were in their room and, and staying there until we moved them into a location in which we isolated them. Um, and then we would start the contact tracing, work in collaboration with CU Public Health, we had to ensure our facilities had been properly cleaned and our facility staff's been been great. You know, I think there's probably a lot of us that are kind of behind the curtain of college athletics and that behind the curtain staff uh, during this pandemic has really been the ones that have really, you know, bore the brunt of, of everything that we're asking them to do. So uh, all the cleaning and everything that's happening every night, it's not like, I mean, we're doing a deep cleaning every night. It's not like we have to call and say, hey, we had a positive, we need a deep clean. The expectations that's happening every night, and so uh, we would we would enact our plan with our in terms of that mitigation process, the, the isolation and contact tracing, uh, the quarantining of the contacts. All of that works really well. You know, I think the challenging part is uh, as as we've seen uh, in the news and even with all of us, we probably know someone who's had it. There. You know, it's not like you can ask somebody, where did you get it? it it's really hard to know. Did I get it at the grocery store? Um, I forgot to wear a mask when I did this or whatever the case may be. And so sometimes it wasn't easy to say, uh, this is where I got it. But um, in terms of as we did the contact tracing, as we looked at if we had, uh, uh, you know, let's say two positives that had happened within a few days, uh, we were looking at had they been in the same workout groups, and we weren't having any of that. And so we were able to mitigate it and do a good job of ensuring we weren't having spread in our facilities or in, or in our workout groups or in our teams. Um, and then the second part of the question, Jeremy, I think you're asking about just the, the um, you know, is it kind of the same process and is it kind of is playing out the same as the yeah. first time? And I would say the process in terms of that mitigation is very much the same. Um, we continue to work with campus and, and public health on identifying those things. I think the challenge just becomes there's just more more people, right? And so mm -hmm. while the first 165, when they were coming back to town, you know, maybe their girlfriends or boyfriends weren't coming back at the same time. And so some of those social interactions, and I'm not saying young people should stay away from their significant others. I'm not saying that at all. But right. just the number of contact points um, becomes a little bit more challenging. Um, in terms of some of that contact tracing and some of that exposure. And so I think that just adds another layer to it. Um, and then, I, you know, I think the other piece is, uh, as we've seen, and I'm sure as we'll, we'll learn more as this continues to play out, there's definitely um, factors. Uh, we know quite extensively about health-related factors, but there's other health factors, be it ethnicity, socioeconomic economic backgrounds, uh, and a host of other factors that probably make some cohorts of our, our student-athletes more at risk than others. And so some of the things that we're seeing in terms of the number of positives or even uh, where these young people come from, be it Florida, Texas, or others, some of those factors are definitely playing out in what we're seeing. And so um, I think that's something that, that uh, we continue to keep a pulse on and, and look to the experts as well as what are some of those factors that may be predisposing some of these young people to, uh, to positive results. 
Randy, what are the challenges you now face with the entire student body returning to campus? Because you kind of had a little bit of a bubble here, really, during the summer. So what kind of challenges or how do you prepare um, what you guys do for the entire student body returning? Well, I mean, I think the problem is it's a humanity problem, right, Jeremy? I think if we're honest, all of us have longed for seeing our friends. Yeah. We've all longed for social interaction. Uh, you know, our, our mental well-being is much better when we have physical interaction. And so um, I think we just have to provide a ton of education and direction, like going back to the boyfriend and girlfriend thing. Like that's something that, that we need, right? And so um, I think we just have to be really smart of, of educating our student-athletes and the decisions they make, uh, the size of, of their social sphere, uh, as well as that then they're just having honest uh, conversations, be it with if they live with non, non-student non athletes or, you know, if they have a significant other, that they're helping them understand the expectations we have for them as student athletes. And if they're going to be socializing with those people, hopefully those people are having similar or living out similar expectations in their decision making, their testing frequency, their mask wearing and all kinds of those kind of things, you know. The challenge is, I was kind of using the analogy of bees, the challenging part is there's way more cross-pollination going on amongst hives right now on campus. And so uh, the more we can kind of try to limit some of that cross-pollination, the better off we'll be in terms of limiting spread on campus and amongst our student-athletes. What have you felt about the buy-in of of the student-athletes and staff about that? Well, you know, I think, and and Brad's talked about this, um, you know, on a couple interviews, yeah. it only takes getting quarantined for 14 days or seeing a teammate quarantine for 14 days to really increase buy-in. Yeah. And so I think, you know, we've we've had student-athletes share their story with other student-athletes on uh, all student-athlete Zoom calls and things we've done. And so not that we're trying to lead by fear. I, I don't want that. It's more of an education part of saying, hey, this is what can happen if we don't make good decisions. And so I feel like as as student athletes have come back, the buy-in's been there. But once once they see a teammate put in quarantine, it becomes a little bit more real to them. And oftentimes after that, then the buy-in definitely goes up as well. Randy, the Big Ten decided to to postpone fall sports, but uh, say say they hadn't because they had so many concerns and uncertainties. What concerns would you have had uh, once travel starts, one or once inner squad competition starts, that maybe you didn't have when athletes were contained on campus? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing, there was still a lot of steps. And, you know, I'm not going to share my opinion or my conversations. I don't think that's right. But I think the biggest concern that most people have is just um, outside of some of the still unknown health health complications that's getting talked about a lot is just this idea of contact tracing. And and public health, our our local public health department's been tremendous. IDPH has been tremendous. Um, But, you know, they, they are trying to... Um, contain a pandemic. And so they don't have resources and, and there's definitely not researchers out there yet that are looking at, you know, if the center tests positive, who's the contacts on the football field that need to be quarantined for 14 days. Um, and so the contact tracing was still a huge unknown uh, about what that would look like, how we would do that, uh, all those kind of things. Um, to your point, the transportation issue, we're seeing that play out in Major League Baseball mm-hmm. uh, and other places. What happens if you have someone test positive on the road? Um, you know, the care and support we provide our student athletes is, is a little different level than Major League Baseball. Um, I, I, you know, Major League Baseball is comfortable putting an athlete in a rental car and telling them to drive back to their city. 
uh, you know, while our student athletes are adults, we have a little bit more expectation of, of supervision and support uh, than that. And so if we had someone test positive on the road, we were still working through what does that look like? Because as soon as I sit in a car uh, with a positive student athlete and drive back uh, from Chicago or wherever the case may be, I'm going to get quarantined for 14 days, and obviously I have a job to do as well. And so there was a still a lot of logistical items uh, to be worked through. I think obviously with Major League Baseball, um, NFL, and some of these other groups that are, are trying to do this outside of a bubble, uh, there's still a lot that we can learn from them. But I think some of those logistical things that um, no one had clear answers for yet and it was still going to be a huge huge challenge moving forward, I, I think, was one of the biggest concerns for me and a host of others um, outside of just the health complication concerns that a lot of people are talking about. Randy, it seemed to be, I mean, with the University of Illinois' capacity for testing and quick turnaround for testing, that that wasn't a concern for you guys. Uh, do you talk with your, your Big Ten cohorts? Uh, was that a concern elsewhere, or how, how different was Illinois than every other Big Ten school, if you know? You know, Jeremy, you know this this conference is, is as well as I do. You know, I'm not going to dig into that too much, but I will say across the Power Five, across large institutions, we have seen plenty of schools uh, shut things down from an academic perspective due to lack of testing. And so testing concerns, testing capacities, no one has what the University of Illinois has, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, and so I, I think the testing piece is a huge concern for not just athletics, but academic institutions in general. And the, the I know there's still uncertainty, Randy, about the long-term effects of COVID-19. How much are you guys learning about this virus and, and the health risks for obviously very top-notch athletes, but uh, young, um, young people that are top-notch athletes? I mean, it's it's a daily process in terms of looking at looking at what new position statements are out, what new opinion papers are out, what recommendations are out. Obviously, when you're dealing with a pandemic that's only a few months old, it's not like there's a, a meta-analysis or a best practices document yet. Everyone's trying to create those. Yep. Um, and so I would say on a daily, if not daily, multiple times a week, talking with colleagues around the Big Ten, around the A5, uh, looking to cardiologist groups and, and other groups uh, is something that we're doing very diligently and having conversations as Big Ten sports medicine groups. And so I think we'll continue to learn a lot. Obviously, there's a host of new technologies that we're still learning about. And, and quite frankly, we need probably need some comparative data. Um, you know, I'll give an example, cardiac MRIs. Um, you know, is there, has there been a lot of research with cardiac MRIs post other viral infections? Or are we doing baseline data, cardiac MRIs on, on student athletes to be able to compare something post COVID infection to? We don't have that data. And so there is still a lot to learn. And, and that's just taking a lot of conversations, looking to a lot of people who are, who are obviously that this is their bread and butter in terms of cardiologists, sports cardiologists, the experts in the field. But there is still a lot to learn, that's for sure, and it's taking a lot of work to, to sort through all of that and come up with what's going to be the best for us and for our conference moving forward. Yeah, obviously you're probably learning something new every day about all of this. So, so Randy, going through this process so far of bringing hundreds of student-athletes back on campus and, and finding a way to, to mitigate the spread and now bring hundreds more back, um, how, how do you guys feel like that'll 
help you as you hope to lead into a January, February, March where we can have sports back? Like, like what have you guys learned that can help you bring it back in the spring? I've learned that there's no other place I'd rather be than the University of Illinois. <laughs> I'll say that. Uh, our capacity for testing and, and our partners are phenomenal. I think the other piece is, I, I think, as I said, looking to some of these uh, entities like NFL and others who are, are trying to make it happen and have um, you know tremendous amounts of money and experts working with them. Uh, it's always it's always good to not be the front runner in a situation like this. And so learning what 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 people learn through trying to do the NFL season before when we go to pull this off will be important. And I think just time in terms of educating student athletes, you know, obviously uh, you can tell, I mean, you're a parent, I'm a parent, you can tell your kids, you can tell 18 to 22 year olds something one time, but uh, to really change habits and really create an understanding of what's going to be expected, that takes time. And so having more time to, to help them buy in and understand and, and do what we ask, uh, I think time and education is probably going to be the biggest thing. Obviously, um, college sports can exactly do what the NBA is doing or the NHL is doing. It might be more like the MLB or NFL, uh, even though they're a little obviously distant than, than college campuses, Randy. But what, what have you thought just watching the, these pro sports uh, attempt to come back? Well, I guess it goes back to the comment I made about humanity, right? Like yeah. at the end of the day, there's people making millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars who still crave social interaction. And so it only takes, uh, what was it, a relief pitcher going to the bar just to get out of the hotel and, and get a fresh breath of air to then put the whole team at jeopardy. And, and that's the challenge of this is it only takes one poor decision to kind of set the dominoes in place. And so um, I, I think that's been a big one uh, is just how do we, how do we support uh, young people their health and well-being, an environment in which we're asking them to limit part of who we all are as humans. And I don't have a best answer for that. I think it's a lot of education. I think it's a lot of helping them understand the right way to do that. Maybe it's outside, socially distanced. Um, but I think that's the biggest challenge is at the end of the day, we all crave um, that social interaction. We all have our own ways we go about dealing with stress for some people that is going to bars or social settings. Um, not saying that's right, uh, but how do we help support young people um, who have that human nature to them? I, I think it's a huge challenge. And so um, I think as we've looked to that, that's been one of the big things that I've seen and noticed is we put these, these Major League Baseball players and NFL players on pedestals, but at the end of the day, we're all human. And we all have that desire to interact with others and be around others. And this pandemic's making it really hard to balance that. Um, and I think we're all living that out every day. Randy, and you brought me to a follow-up question. I'll wrap this up. But you mentioned the mental health and health, or mental health and well-being of student athletes, of course, of all of us right now, right? Um, but how have you guys tried to you know, support that because um, all of these student athletes obviously are not able to do uh, what they love doing, which is compete at, at the highest level of college athletics. You know, I, I, you're exactly right. I, I think this is one of the biggest challenges. And while people talk about it, they probably don't talk about it enough. And they probably maybe don't even look themselves in the mirror enough to really wrestle with it for themselves. And so uh, we have a tremendous group of mental health professionals, mental health team that we work with, uh, we've every call I, I feel like that I've been on with student athletes, I've reminded them with uh, 
about those resources, about the availability of our mental health professionals. Uh, you know, for a lot of our student athletes, their sports medicine, athletic training staff, and their their academic staff almost become like family members. And so ensuring that our athletic training and academic staff are checking in with our student athletes, making sure they're doing all right, encouraging their help seeking. Um, and then the Big Ten's been great. Um, going into this pandemic, uh, the Big Ten uh, actually purchased Calm. It's an app on your phone. Um, they purchased Calm for every student athlete and every Big Ten staff member. Um, there was some publicity around that early on in COVID, but just giving them tools, making them aware of tools of things that they can do to just try to turn off their mind, uh, relax a little bit. Uh, we've done everything from, um, you know, offer, you know, kind of almost like wellness groups of how are you processing this to giving them tools and seminars on things like meditation. Um, so it's been a real team effort. Um, and it, it's something that I think will continue to be a challenge until we get through this. I think related to that, Jeremy, just on a side note, I think one of the concerns I have is just I, I've always had a concern just about um, the commercialization of youth sports and um, how that affects young people's identity. Um, and so if, um, if I only know myself as the club, whatever, you know, soccer, volleyball, baseball player, if, you know, I almost feel like my parents only know me or treat me as that because that's all we do every weekend for three-fourths of the year, um, you know, that's already already a concern for me is is that I how that athletic identity can take over someone's life and and it's really important that our identity is much more uh, broad than just one one piece like athletics and mm -hmm. so one of my concerns is the future you know role of athletic identity you know if if you're a a fourteen or fifteen year old person and your parents are willing to drive you to different states to play baseball, does that further that athletic identity piece? And, and then how is that going to affect uh, your future mental health when, when sport is over or you get injured or the whatever, however that may play out? And so, you know, I think obviously this has been hard for all of us. Uh, and as parents, we want to support our kids and we want them to do what they love doing. Uh, but I think we all have just to, to keep in mind what are not just the short-term consequences of some of those decisions, but what are the long-term consequences and how can we build uh, more robust, more broad, more resilient, um, more, um, you know, just exploring, figuring out who they are, young people. Because really, you know, for a lot of us that go to college, um, it's, it is about a profession. It's not about being a professional athlete. But a lot of the college years is ex is exploring and figuring out who you are as a person, and I think we have to be careful that um, we don't stamp or box that person into the jersey they wear or the sport they play. And so, yeah. I think that's something that that we've been thinking a lot about, and talking a lot about, and helping our student athletes see that this is an opportunity, um, not to become not to just become more resilient, but also to explore and figure out who they are outside of sport as well. Good point. Good point. Randy Ballard, anything else you'd like to add or what I'm missing or anything you'd like people to know? No, I, I think, you know, I, I guess I would just say, you know, I hope everyone's looking out for themselves and taking care of themselves. Obviously, mental health and well-being is something that I'm very passionate about, not just for our student athletes, but for our greater community as large. And so, you know, I, I think this has been hard on everyone. Uh, I think that's one reason everyone was so excited. I think, yeah. you know, a Saturday at a, at a ball game is, an, is a nice getaway from life. 
and we all are looking for getaways from life right now because life's pretty tough. And so I would just uh, encourage people to continue to think about ways that, that uh, they go about finding those getaways, that they're making smart decisions around that, and that they're looking out for each other and their family and friends because, uh, you know, I think we still have a ways to go. But uh, uh, I think humanity can win out, but I just hope we continue to realize that at the end of the day we all are humans and all these things, sheltering in place, quarantining, isolating, it's, a, it's, it's, it's hard. And um, but but at the end of the day, I couldn't be more grateful to be at a place like this. And I'm confident that uh, Champaign Urbana and the University of Illinois is well positioned to be a leader as we as we come out the other side on this. Randy Ballard, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Jeremy. Great insight from Randy Ballard. I know some people might want to know what is Randy's opinion. That is not his job here uh, to give us. Obviously, that's Kevin Warren's job. That's the athletic director's job. That is the chancellor's job. And uh, Randy's job is to provide them with information. Obviously, he's done that along the way. It just comes from the sound of it that Illinois feels confident what it has. Of course, that's going to change now that you don't have this bubble. Right. You have so many students and, and Randy talked about the challenges of that, the, the challenges that probably really weren't there during the summer when it was basically just student athletes on campus. So now is where the hard part really uh, becomes for all these schools. And and we're seeing that in the SEC, ACC, Big 12, all these students returning to campus and you're seeing the positive tests and, and not that positive tests were unexpected, but now you got to stop that spread. And you've seen some schools shut down their classes, go all the remote online learning, which makes it easier for sports to happen if they happen. But these are where the challenges really start on these colleges' campuses where you don't have a bubble. You don't have players just returning home. You have players returning home and interacting with other students, whether it's just in their apartment, in their dorm room, um, or wherever they eat, wherever they go on campus. They're just interacting with a lot more people than they used to. So that is a big challenge. And obviously when it got to competition, contact tracing. Randy really hit on that about how difficult of a hurdle that is going to be, especially for a sport like football where you have so much contact in the piles and if somebody one person test positive and all that you could have two teams that are really uh their their offensive defensive lines whoever comes into contact with them could be shut down for two weeks and that could really add to a lot of interruptions of play so appreciate randy ballard and all of his expertise on this it seems obvious that he josh whitman and the Illinois athletics program has run a pretty good health and safety protocol system here so far and if they can continue to build on that if other schools adopt that that we will be closer to playing sports and hopefully that is in january where we can have basketball maybe earlier for basketball but january for football and we get this thing going and uh really get back a little bit to some kind of normalcy even if uh, fans aren't allowed in these stadiums or or in these uh fields of play at least you'll be able to get that back. You'll be able to get some of these games back. And as I talked about with Justin Spring this week, it's really important that football, basketball play games because these other programs, especially some of these men's Olympic sports like men's gymnastics, and, and if you missed my piece with Justin Spring, he's really nervous about the future of his sport. You've already seen Iowa cut sports. You've seen Stanford cut a lot of sports as well. And while Josh Whitman has said, that's not the plan. That is the last resort. If you don't have football and basketball games soon, uh, in early spring semester, uh, then you might be faced with that kind of 
really, really tough reality. So appreciate Randy Ballard and his insight here. We're going to have some NBA draft content on the podcast coming up shortly. I'll talk with an NBA draft expert, not only about the top of the draft and what the Bulls could do for you Bulls fans at number four. I was pretty pumped to see them leap up a little bit, even though it's a pretty weak draft at the top. Uh, We'll talk to somebody about that. We'll talk to them about the Big Ten prospects in this draft. A lot of guys that go end of first round, early to mid second round, as well as what Io DeSumo and Kofi Coburn need to do uh, this season uh, hopefully we get one uh, to prove that they are nba draft picks and potential first round draft picks so that'll be coming up and don't forget 50 percent off right now you only have a couple more days to take advantage of this at alanainquire.com 24 7 sports for the rest of this month their 10th anniversary um, they are giving out 50 percent off an annual subscription $50 plus off your VIP access to Illini Inquirer. And while there's no sports going on in the Big Ten, we've had a lot of basketball recruiting content up there. Brian Snow, our guys, had some stuff up there about some of the Illini's top targets, including Bryce Hopkins, Jaden Shutt. Uh, we've had more of that. Uh, Illinois football, we've got plenty of content coming up about that. Uh, have a little bit of a project I'll be working on in the next week. Uh, so now is a good time to sign up for that to get the latest insight into Illini athletics because even though there aren't games going on, there's plenty of roster building going on, and there's plenty behind the scenes that we'll keep you up to date with. Always appreciate you listening to the Illini Choir podcast. If you don't already, subscribe to us, rate us, review us. We appreciate when you do that. Everybody stay safe. Take care of one another. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Choir podcast. now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.